Oh, hey, Rebels. It's me, your favorite Rebel, I'm guessing, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, I say this every week. This is the internet, and the beauty of the internet is that you can listen or, for that matter, watch the show whenever you feel like. Now, tonight my guest is Tariq Elnaga. He might be somebody you know from Rebel News. He was a Maverick Party candidate during the last federal election, and he was part of the second wave of convoyers to Ottawa, and now he lives with the constant anxiety of his assets being seized because his actions, his protest actions, were ostensibly criminalized retroactively in a temper tantrum by Justin Trudeau when he invoked the Emergencies Act. So we're talking to Tarek tonight about why he went and what all of this means for Western autonomy going forward. Now, if you like listening to the show, and I think you do because you're here, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show which I, you know, kind of think is pretty good. But you also get access to Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show, David Menzies' fun Friday night show Rebel Roundup, Andrew Chapados's show Andrew Says, and Kat and Nat's new show, Misunderstood. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe, which I think is a bargain because I just got an email from Netflix saying that the cost of Netflix is going up once again, I guess inflation is hitting Netflix too. Now, just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member today. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. What's it like to have been on the convoy for freedom to Ottawa now that you're deemed an enemy of the state by your own government? I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. Approximately 10 days ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act, which gives his government extraordinary powers of search, arrest, and seizure. Bank accounts are being frozen, assets are being confiscated, and peaceful protesters against COVID lockdowns are being arrested and hunted for being part of an illegal protest, albeit completely peacefully. Just listen. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely. We, this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over. 
And for what? Embarrassing Justin Trudeau internationally, vocalizing your displeasure with a government that is controlling your life in the most unreasonable ways and has done so for two years? For wanting to go back to your life of 2019 with two years of coronavirus data under our belts? For refusing to live in fear a moment longer? For refusing to participate in biomedical segregation? The Emergency Act is reserved for the most catastrophic of situations, a Pearl Harbor or a 9-11. Not a street party with bouncy castles and hockey scrimmages, which inconvenienced a bunch of fancy people and locals. And the people who organized the convoy, well, they're being treated like terrorists or women who ran off to join ISIS. They're detained without bail because, I don't know, they might honk their horns when they get out. And what are these charges that we had to suspend civil liberties to issue? counseling someone to commit mischief the crime of telling someone to do annoying things in public that's it now good friend of the show Tarek El Naga felt so compelled by what he saw the truckers doing that he knew he had to be a part of it too peacefully and self-funded and now he lives with the constant anxiety that his opposition to the government has been criminalized retroactively by Justin Trudeau's little temper tantrum joining me tonight to talk about what he saw on the convoy is Tarek El Naga. So joining me now from, I guess, his hotel in Sault Ste. Marie is my friend Tarek El Naga. Tarek, before we get started, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Because I know a lot about you. I'd like to know a little more. That's one of the reasons I have you on the show tonight. But um, you are a former Maverick Party candidate and um, an adopted Albertan. We adopted you. You adopted us. And it's been a love affair ever since. Absolutely. The best family I've ever I've ever had. So um, I, I was born, raised in Dubai and moved to Alberta uh, just a shade under 10 years ago to go to rodeo. Um, I'd become a Canadian citizen in 2016. And it was very apparent, in, you know, the first five minutes uh, of living in Alberta, how Alberta was treated by the rest of Canada. And I couldn't wait to do something about it. So um, that's why I ran for, for the Maverick Party. I, I still rodeo, I still have a, a pile of horses, which you still have to come uh, and, and, and visit with. Um, but yes, that's what I do. And I, I live just about an hour north of Calgary. Very, very Albertan story. It's the uh, story of so many people who who come to Alberta and just come for opportunity and come for the culture and then just fall in love with it and want to fight for it. So I I just really admire how um, that became so apparent to you so quickly. Now I want to talk. Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the convoy to. Ottawa. You were right. part of the second wave of convoyers, Correct. but even before that, you helped organize all those horses to Coots, Alberta. Right. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you feel like you needed to get involved? So uh, I wasn't lead by any means in terms of organization, but that helped. And I followed in the footsteps of some amazing, pioneer, like let's call it Western pioneers that set this up. Um, mm-hmm. But I had to get involved. So I'll tell you really where it is. So you and I and everybody else has been living this journey over the last two years. And, and I, I told myself, what else can I do? We've marched, we've talked, I ran in a federal election. What else can I do? Because I just couldn't sit on my hands. And I remember being on the side of the QA2, seeing the first 
set of trucks call it the first wave of trucks go through and just you're immediately filled with western pride and filled with a lot of national pride saying man this is amazing and a tiny bit of fomo too saying oh, i should be on that you know so um so I, I told myself what what can i do and then i found out about the, uh, you know, a, a young lady that was actually organizing the ride out to the Coots blockade. And I said, okay, how can I help? Um, and I got on and said, I told, started telling my friends, started telling my group of writers, I really think that this young lady probably thought 20, 30 of her friends are going to show up um, with, with some horses and they'll ride in, you know, uh, by the blockade and call it a day. Uh, she was at least 350, if not 400 riders showed up. Uh, it was the most beautiful thing you will ever see and how quickly things fell into place because two things. One, as the first convoy rolled into Ottawa, Justin Trudeau conveniently had to isolate. Um, and, and I said, you know what, you're not going to sit this one out because um, he's set out every previous scandal um, and just, you know, memories are short, people forget. And I said, I can't, I can't let that happen. So I'm going to go, whether it's five vehicles, 20 or 200, we're going to go uh, and show the first set of vehicles that were ready. So we were due to leave the Sunday right after the ride. Um, I got to Lethbridge on a Friday night. Just amazing how things fell into place. There's a lady out Lethbridge that opened up her ranch uh, and said, your, your horses can stay with me. Um, and I even asked her, I'm like, can I, can I help, you know, with their board or so? And she says, this is my contribution to the freedom movement. Um, it's, it's been enough. This is what I can do. And just the, the way the community got together. And I'll tell you, when we parked and we're saddling up, getting ready to ride, you couldn't see the end of horse trailers either way. You really couldn't. And I, I had posted a video of it and you look left and right and it was just endless. Three people came down from Grand Prairie, from BC, from Saskatchewan um, to ride. And it was the most Western thing you'll ever see. That memory will stay with me forever. Uh, absolutely forever. So I helped to get as many people as I could out that way, especially within my, my area. But again, full credit goes to the young lady that, that, that put this together. Uh, and, then, uh, and then I went home, put the horses back and packed the bag. And Sunday morning, uh, we were off and Mocha was there and, and, and uh, Celine. And we, we were off making the 4,000 kilometer trek to Ottawa. Now, what was that journey like? I mean, you just dropped everything to yep. head all the way to Ottawa. Again, was this just like FOMO, a feeling like you had to do something? Was it two years of just, I got to, I got to do something. Nobody's listening. Like, why did you decide to go? It's a collection of everything. So you, you've seen the way this, this, this built up. And I told myself, if I sit and just make social media posts, that's not enough. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough in a position where I could put my life on hold. Um, and it's important enough to put my life on hold um, and support the first wave of truckers, especially those, the fact that it started from the West and then just kept piling on from, from the rest of the country. And, and uh, was I missing out? Absolutely. That was just my personal take. But my longer term take was this is enough. Like it's enough. It's been two years with no end date to uh, the mandates, to the restrictions, to the lockdowns. And here we are living in a country where citizens can't fly within their own country or in or out, depending on their medical status. So I told myself, no, I need to get a group together and go. And it, heck, if it was just going to be myself, 
I was going to go still. Uh, now, what was heartwarming to see as well was there were families that showed up um, on that convoy with kids. And they said, we want our kids to know that they were there because this is the biggest historical event in Canadian history and modern history. I, I, I think if you look at the last 20 or 30 years, there's been no movement that's this big and, and this international ever in the last 30 years. Perhaps in the past, there, there has been. But I think perhaps maybe in the Quebec referendum in the 90s was the biggest national event that we had that was pretty significant. Um, so, so yeah, and, and the journey itself to answer your question, you know, I, I've never driven across the country. I've never been to Ottawa. I didn't know what to expect, but I felt the weight of the people I was with, the responsibility, and also the need to show the first group of truckers and the first group of protesters that we're there for you. You're not on your own. And despite that anxiety, we we made it across the country with mostly no incidents, just one or two mechanical issues here or there, but mostly no incidents. Um, and then we were joined by trucks from other parts of the country, like Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Lloyd, um, that just joined us that found out that we were going and we just picked up friends along the way and made sure that we rolled into Ottawa all at the same time, give or take. Um, and then, you know, it's a completely different experience what it was like rolling into Ottawa. I, I will never forget that as well, that that sight of rolling into downtown Ottawa and realizing the sheer size, organization, real estate footprint uh, of this protest. And you just look and you're like, oh, my God, um, this is huge and impressive and clean and safe. Uh, and the other reason why, Sheila, I wanted to go, sorry, super long answer. So no, it's off. great. No, no, go. Um, um, but the other reason I wanted to go, as, as I just described kind of in my intro here, uh, I, I wasn't born and raised in Canada, and and this is a movement around freedom. And I've I've lived on the periphery of every modern war um, that that you see: Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Israel, uh, Yemen, Somalia. I've lived on the periphery of all of those. And you see the slip of government overreach in Canada. And I say, we can't get to that point. Um, we really can't. And the and the other thing is, here I am, I'm an immigrant, I'm not um, of white or Caucasian background. And this is a movement for everybody. And it was like the, the legacy media just jumped onto, oh, this is some white supremacist, racist movement, blah, blah, blah. And I, enough of that narrative, when it doesn't fit your narrative, the first reaction they have is always, it's racist. Well, I not once for the time that I spent in Ottawa felt a shred of not being included or not being safe um, or not among my brothers. And when um, the truckers found out I was from Alberta, the high fives, the pictures we took together, uh, I did make, make it a point to walk around with my Alberta flag. So yeah, it was, it, it, I, I wanted publicly, very publicly to dispel that myth that this is not an inclusive pro. And you walk around and there were families and people with their dogs and people from every age group and race and across the country, they're in one unified message. And even from every political strike, Sheila, like there were people there that I'm sure voted for everybody, um, but they all had the unified message of choice and freedom. And it was, it was beautiful to see. You know, I think that's the real, I don't know, the epiphany that I've had the last, well, two years, but in particular, probably the last six months that none of this falls down 
political lines anymore, like the mm-hmm. old political lines. Yeah. It is people who want to be left alone and the people who won't leave you alone. And that's right. what it's about these days. And um, it's funny to see the criticisms. You know, they tried the old stuff like that's racist, which is just mm-hmm. how the elites tell the working class to shut up. Um, and, you know, then you hear, um, well, it's violent. But the only people being violent in this instance are the police because the state has monopoly on the force on force. Um, You know, you hear that it is um, divisive, but the only people being being divisive is the government by saying, you know, this group of people can't do this. And there's inside people and there's outside people, people Mm -hmm. who literally have to eat outside. But we're being told that the movement for freedom is the divisive thing. And I found when you were tweeting your images, which right. was through a very particular Western lens that really appealed to me, um, you. you were you really were with pictures, just right. dispelling all the lies of the mainstream media one by one by one. I thought it was incredible. Thank you. And, and you know what? I told myself I have to tell this story because I had 50 friends message me on my personal accounts every day or text saying, what's it like? Is it like, because they see what, what it's like on the mainstream media. And I started reading the mainstream media every morning and then walking the streets of Ottawa. And it was like two different worlds. It was like two completely different worlds. And, and I'm, I'm no professional photographer. I used my already outdated iPhone to, but I wanted to really show, um, at what it was like on the ground live um, and really show a perspective of the size of the organization, the cleanliness. I mean, uh, the, the, there wasn't a speck of dirt, a napkin, a coffee cup on the streets. It was so incredibly clean. Um, I, I, I found this out. There were 200 shovels that were bought and distributed among the drivers. And whenever there was snow, they took care of it before the city ever showed up. Um, and there was garbage collection and there were supply stations and there were safety meetings. And I made it a point to crash as many of those meetings as I could, as many of those, you know, because I really wanted to showcase through my camera phone, uh, what it was like on the ground and, and try to show the, the other side of the story and the real side of the story, which is why they were there. I bet you if you asked any of those truckers, none of them wanted to park their rigs for three weeks in downtown Ottawa. Absolutely not. I mean, it's not what they wanted. But you talk to them and you hear their stories about them, their families, uh, the hardships they've seen over the last two years, uh, and their true love and care for their country. Um, And if if anything, and and I know we'll, we'll get into this, but the protests, especially on the weekends, were packed with folks from across the river essentially in, in, in Quebec coming in because they've seen it pretty hard too. Um, you know, they, they've seen the curfews and, you know, they were a hair away from, from a vax tax. Um, and, and they were there too saying, you know what, um, this, this, this is a movement that's important for, and I bet you that's the current government's voting base. Um, like I, I, I would put money on it, but it, yeah, it became, it didn't be, it was not a political movement. Um, and I got asked, are you there, like, you know, as a candidate? So I'm, I, I was there as a Canadian citizen. And I was there as a Westerner who cared about choice and cared about freedom and cared about stopping government overreach. And that's why I was there. Yeah. And it's funny because in your pictures, you really did capture what I think 
it, like you confirmed my biases about right. leftist protests versus conservative protests, right. um, where, you know, when useless people um, have long scale, like long lasting protests, you get Chaz, you get Chop, you get Ox- mm. Occupy Wall Street, and then come the rapes and then come the drug abuse and the filth and stuff like that. Yeah. So when useless people do it, it turns into some sort of a purge style anarchy. Mm-hmm. But when useful people with actual skills go and protest, you get a community, a community right. forms without the government telling you to be kind to one another. Oh, it was, it was beautiful to see. And I love the way you put it in one of your tweets, the makers, right. Of yep. society. And, and, um, here were people that, you know, immediately formed a community around them. And I even made it a point to go to, um, there were two or three locations that were out of downtown because these were, um, uh, these were truckers that couldn't make it in time. So as downtown started locking, and it's really funny. I mean, if you actually walk the, the, the protest in downtown, it's almost like a geographic map of Canada because the Ontario and Quebec truckers got first um, there. And then you <laughs> see the Manitoba truckers parked next. So it's literally Manitoba Street, Saskatchewan Street, Alberta Street. Um, and the, a lot of the BC trucks couldn't get in because by then they started kind of locking it out. So it literally was a, a geographic story map. story of our lives. <laughs> beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. Ontario and Quebec got, got to the Parliament Hill first. Again, (laughs) exactly. Election night Um, all over again. uh, (laughs) Um, But but what was amazing was just um, and and quite frankly, there was heavy police presence, but the truckers made um, the police's job incredibly easy. And if I may dare say boring um, in the sense that they waved at them, they thanked them for their service. They gave them no excuse to spring into action. They made sure that they kept things safe. And I talked to quite a few truckers and they said, we have no beef with the Ottawa residents uh, or, or, you know, the civic authorities. Um, we're here um, to talk to the federal government, which ironically in three weeks, never talked back to them uh, and, and never talked with them um, and said, let's, let's engage in some sort of a conversation. They never did. Um, and they continued with their rhetoric of being a fringe minority um, I'll tell you, the last Saturday night, I, I'd say there was probably 100, 150,000 people um, on the streets at minus 20 with no facilities, um, hardly any restaurants open. The funny part is, I'm sure you've been seeing the reports of all the restaurants and stuff. And I won't name them just because I, I, I think it'd be very unfair to those owners to single them out, which is pretty unfortunate. But most of the restaurants open in downtown Ottawa were owned by... Uh, folks from ethnic minorities that came from really oppressive governments um, and they they knew what it was like and I remember yeah. talking to a few of them and they're like you know what um, this is important we understand we know what this feels like and we see where the country's slipping into in terms of government overreach uh, so I had a lot of respect for them they'll always have my business but I, I just won't name them but but uh, but that's that's the thing Sheila is you're absolutely right the makers made a community right away looked out for each other. If someone needed mechanical help, they got it. If someone needed accommodations, they got it. Showers, they got it. Food, they got it. Supplies, they got it. Um, I don't know if, if there's a story that came across your desk of the freedom puppies. So um, there were puppies born on, uh, I know the exact intersection where they were born in a Saskatchewan plated truck. So these folks brought their dog and didn't expect to last out, like to stay that long. Sure. And 
had a litter of puppies um, born in the cab of their truck. And immediately someone delivered dog food and a crate um, and supplies uh, for, for them. Uh, and I think now that their their name's Diesel International Convoy, like the little puppies, but, but <laughs> it's best. really cute. Um, but, but at the same time, the community got together and there was never an incidence of violence. There was never an incidence of, um, of, of feeling unsafe. And I, I toured sometimes at 2 a.m. And I never felt unsafe. One, I think Ottawa was the safest city in North America because there's such a heavy police presence. And the truckers looked out for each other and looked out for the community. Yeah. Um, you know, the homeless were fed. Like, I think, you know, like yeah. the, the folks um, of Ottawa, they were looked after. There was free food stations everywhere. So, sorry, long answer again, but. No, um, it's it's great. Uh, you're the best kind of guest because even though this is my job, you're doing it. So it's, oh. it's fine by me. Um, oh. I, I wanted to ask you, though, because we were mm-hmm. sort of tra- talking off camera before we started recording. You now are experiencing that same anxiety that thousands of Canadians all across the country are experiencing where because of the emergency measures act um, and the extraordinary and draconian uh, measures that the liberals have put into that as part of the regulations they've added to it. um, You are concerned that your bank account could be frozen at any minute. What's it like living as an enemy of the state for your political Uh, opinions? Uh, my, my bank account getting frozen. I'm waiting for the knock at, at my door, whether home or hotel room, um, saying, here's, here's, and, and uh, yeah, I check every couple of hours, you know, am I, am I frozen? Am I not? Um, and, and I look at it and I say, I drove to Ottawa in my own vehicle legally. Uh, and I had every right to be on a public sidewalk um, in the nation's capital, that the way I look at it, we all collectively pay for. Um, we all collectively pay for the nation's capital services. Um, and every Canadian citizen has a right to be there. Not once did anybody, um, uh, you know, get into an area that they shouldn't have been in or cause any damage or cause any vandalism or any of that sort of stuff. So we all legally should have been And for this level of government overreach, what I think this is, is one, it's government overreach. It's draconian. It's next level dystopian. And it's also a really disappointing scare tactic by the current government to say, you know, those have done it, they've done it. There's what, 92,000 people that donated on that hack list, I think. Yep. Um, Those that have, and and, and we're seeing now legacy media publicly dox people yeah. um, for, for donating. It, it is absolutely, and, and, it's, and it's now state-sponsored doxing. It's unbelievable. Um, I can't believe that I live in the free West, in the G7 nation, where I have to check my bank account to see if it's frozen or not. I really can't. Um, as a citizen of Canada, I, I absolutely cannot believe it. But I think it's also a scare tactic of future movements. Uh, uh, to say, oh, don't or else we will. Um, and I think the overreach that we've seen, and, and I'm sure down the line, many years from now, between constitutional lawyers and the courts and so on, there will be a lot of case studies that are written about this. But in today's world, what that does is it tells anybody that's thinking of peacefully engaging in the democratic process in a way that it truly expresses their voice, it crushes that voice. And that's a pretty dangerous, dangerous uh, move to make. 
Um, so it's, it's disappointing. It's, it's worrying. I was there. You've seen my Twitter feed. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to hide it. I was there. Um, and, and I was really proud of being there. I think, you know, like it is truly a historic moment. I'll look at the upside uh, is if it wasn't for this movement, both at a provincial level and a federal level, but more so at a provincial level, I don't think the six jurisdictions in Canada that have now moved, including Alberta, Manitoba, and Sask, like I, I think of the prairies, I don't think they would have moved without this, without this movement. I don't think they would have started opening up restrictions. Was it what the truckers wanted? Because all the truckers wanted was 2019 life. Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody in that was against the needle per se. They said, that's a conversation between you and your doctor. We're not going to talk about the science of it or, or so on. That is a private conversation between you and your doctor. Uh, but it shouldn't be a conversation between you and your server at the restaurant, your airline, your employer, um, and watching your kids play hockey or any of that sort of stuff. And that's what they were talking about. Um, so, uh, ag again, I look at it and I say, it's scary. Um, it's unfortunate. Will I think... For us in the West, will I think it will stop us? I don't think so. Um, the, the West is fierce, and the West was built on guts. Um, and and I, I, if anything, the, the day Doug Ford declared a state of emergency, um, I think that was the most packed night. Um, so the provincial state of emergency. Yeah. Um, that was the most packed night in Ottawa. Uh, it was, I think every time they did it, people just kept showing up. Sorry, I've been talking so much. So you no. cut me off. No, no, really I, I think it's great. I, I just, I, it's hard to believe that in a free Western society that people are not only uh, punished for donating to a political cause, but today it's Monday as we're recording this because you're traveling tomorrow and I have to pre-record. Mm. Um, and today the Ottawa police said they will retroactively hunt people down and there's a whole other layer of crazy in all of this. The RCMP issued a statement and they said they did not provide the list of donors to the banks, which means the government must have, which means the government was relying on hacked data and took that hacked data, illegally obtained data, mm -hmm. and gave it to the bank. No due process for anybody. Right. And started suspending people's bank accounts. Grandmothers can't send their grandkids 20 bucks anymore for their birthday because Christian Freeland took a hacked list and the bank said, sure, yep, no problem. Yep. This is not how it's supposed to happen in a free Western society. This is the kind of stuff that happens in Russia, Venezuela. This is Hugo Chavez stuff. The, the destruction of trust in the institutions of a free and modern society. Yeah. like law enforcement, like um, the banking system and the financial system, and truly privacy and government acts. But is it, like I question sadly, Sheila, is it a surprise when the first sliver of this was a complete destruction of your medical privacy? Yeah. Uh, where your medical privacy became normalized to know at your last Christmas party, um, whether your family members or their spouses right. or so on. And so if, if we went down that slope, where does it stop? Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's, it's sad. It's really yeah. sad. That's a great point. Now, I don't want to keep you too long because no, it's, not nine, it's nine o'clock where you are. 
and um, you've been probably traveling all day. You have been traveling all day. So I want to ask you uh, one last question. And it is a question I think you're an expert on. What does Justin Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act mean for Western sovereignty or Western separation sentiments? What does it mean? Is it going to drive the country further apart? I think so, but I'll let you, uh, I want to know your opinion. Thank you for that question, Sheila. And and I think rather than drive the country apart, it's going to bring the West together. Um, and, and I look at this as the unifying movement uh, for the West, regardless of your political strike, um, because the West is fiercely independent and we love our freedom and we love our independence. And I think what, what we've done or what we've seen with Western independence movements is they flare up right after Justin Trudeau gets elected again, and then they go quiet. I think this is the first time that, at least that I could remember, that in a non-election event, Western independence has now flared up. And people realize that and one of the most difficult things of telling a Westerner is that your vote doesn't determine government. Your vote doesn't count, um, sadly. And, 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 and that's how you, are, sorry to interrupt, but that's how you please, get blockades. That's how you get right. blockades because you feel helpless. There's nothing else that you can do. Right. Albertans blockaded the federal government, but also their own premier who they felt wasn't doing enough to advocate on behalf of them. Yep. So that's how you get blockades is when you are completely voiceless and you don't Absolutely. know what else to do. Absolutely. And us in the West, you know, a true kind of cowboy, if you will, um, traits is patience. And our fuse is pretty long, but it's run out. Uh, and when that fuse runs out, it's, it's done. And it's, it's, and the folks on the prairie look out for each other. I remember the first three or four months of restrictions, everybody looked out for each other and they felt like they were doing the right thing. But as data showed up a year in, they still stuck with it. 24 months in, they're going to start asking questions of when does this ever end? Um, so I think the Western independence movement is going to explode for likely the first time in a non-election cycle or non-election events. And I think the West is going to take a pretty critical look at itself and the prairie specifically, potentially interior in northern BC as well, and say, do we really want to be attached to a 22-acre plot in Ottawa? This was the first time it became apparent to me. A 22-acre plot in Ottawa makes those decisions for us, and we have no say um, in how those decisions are made. Uh, so I, I think there's an opportunity, and I think rather than divide the country, I think it's going to bring the West together. I think it's going to unify the West's voice. Um, I, you know me, Sheila, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist and I want to be I know. positive about this. So I really think that there's an opportunity where um, Western independence really starts to grow here over the next little while. Yeah, I think if anything, people are going to realize that conceding our decision-making powers to someone, someone and some mm-hmm. people who are just so far away from us. Maybe that became apparent to you as you made that enormous drive across the country where you're like, how the heck are these people in charge of us? We're so different and so far away. And and I mean, it's just the way the works, Sheila, is the GTA determines um, who forms government typically. It's one city, not even one problem. Uh, One city typically will, I mean, the GTA has more seats than Alberta and Saskatchewan put together. Uh, And it's done by the time Manitoba starts to vote, not, not Alberta. 
Um, so let's let's take charge of our own affairs. And on a, I'm, you know, me, I mean, I'm publicly a big supporter of the Western independence movement. Um, and it, at the very bare minimum, Western autonomy yeah. is let us make uh, our own decisions. Um, because I know that some people feel strongly about being citizens of Canada. And I think the movement, the freedom movements unified and brought a, a lot of national pride. I've yeah. never seen on a Canada Day. Um, yeah. So, so, so I think but at least have autonomy on our own decisions is the bare minimum. Yeah. Tarek, I would love to have you back on the show again very, very soon. Um, here's to you maintaining access to your own bank account and, and, the, and the earnings of your own business. It's outrageous that I even have to wish you the best of Thank luck you. accessing I mean, your own money. This trip, so we'll <laughs> see, but it's all good. No, thank you, Sheila. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So. Thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you very, very soon. You betcha. Thanks, Sheila. Bye. Imagine living with the constant threat and fear that something that when you did it, it was perfectly legal can now be the reason you're held in jail indefinitely. Well, you've just imagined Justin Trudeau's Canada for at least the next 30 days of the Emergency Act. We should really be on some sort of human rights watch list somewhere. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.